who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Season 3 Q&A special. I am your host, Virginia Spots. Uh, you know me as co-producer, co-writer Kate Sheridan in the Sheridan Tapes. And here tonight, we also have Trevor Van Winkle. Hello, Sam Bailey, writer, creator, editor, sound designer, Yes, the, whatever all, other hats I wear. <laughs> all the jobs. We also have Erin neely Chaconis. Hello, this is Anna Sheridan. We have Amitola Lomas. Hi, this is Maria Soul. I like these intros. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Ezra J. Wayne. And I'm Ned Leroux. Hi, this is Chris, and I'm recording my answers for the Season 3 Q&A. Hello, everyone. My name is Jesse Haugen, and I am the composer for the Sheridan Tapes. Hell yes. Um, I, a last-minute uh, fumble today. We can't have Jesse Steele and Sam Taylor here tonight because they're feeling ill. So that is very sad. We wish them well. Um, and then also uh, for... This evening's program. Why did I say it like that? Uh, <laughs> Jesse Hogan, our composer, and Chris Allison, who played Dr. Caldwell this season, will be uh, submitting some questions remotely. So every now and then there will be a little break in the live format and you'll hear from them to answer some questions because they're just too good to miss out on this. And scheduling this was a little bit tricky and we just want to get as many wonderful people in the show as possible for this. So... Let's start off strong. Um, question one, this is from Jonah. He, him. Is everyone okay? <laughs> um, uh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm like, uh, I'm pandemic okay, sure. Um, and character wise, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, Kate's probably panicking uh, watching that facility collapse from the outside. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'm I, personally. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing fine. I'm doing quite well. Um, <laughs> Sam Bailey is currently at the bottom of a very large pile of rubble. So we'll see you know, how he's feeling um, very soon. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm myself, Aaron Nilichkonis, doing okay. Um, hanging in there. Anna is a hard TBD. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I am also curious to know if she's okay. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, you'll see. You'll see. I would say I am, in my new response to this question, flourishing. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my new response. I'm very pleased with it. And I think Maria is working on being okay. I think she hasn't been okay for a really long time, and I think I think she's working on it. Yeah, yeah. I think Maria might be the only character who we <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like know is not in immediate danger. Maria's <laughs> taking some time for herself. Yes, <laughs> she definitely picked the right moment for that. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> um, I think uh, I personally, I'm like fine. I think Ned is also like fine. <laughs> it's, it's probably not his first time getting buried under you know a collapsed yeah. building right? i don't think he's like happy about it but he's probably fine he like generally he's been doing great and having a great time except for like that one little thing so yeah ned would probably say flourishing as well uh flourishing he yeah. he, he was flourishing yeah. <laughs> except for that one little thing you know the thing being the one, you know the, the, his, the, his wait, boss has it's <laughs> probably fine probably <laughs> It's probably all going to be totally fine, actually. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, we'll move right into uh, question two then and start the the, the real questions. Um, so this one is starting out is for basically myself and Van Winkle uh, from Jonah again. How do you manage to have such long spanning stories? As in, did you play in all seasons or just one and then went with it? Yeah, I'll take that. Um at the start, it was very much just, it wasn't even planning one season. It was just basically improving my way through the first handful of scripts to figure out what kind of series and what kind of story I wanted to tell. Uh, and then as the show was going on, slowly, you know, piecing together an outline for, you know, the overarching plot of the story and where it was going, I, you know, from very early on, knew the answer to the mystery, which is important thing for mm. a mystery show. Uh, and that hasn't changed. But um, a whole lot of stuff has changed in the interim. And yeah, with you know season one, that was planned as it was coming out. Uh, I didn't have a plan for season two once it came time for that. And that was really hammered out by Virginia and I once she came on um, at the end of season one. Uh, and then same season three, I had a stronger idea, but that was also very much you know, planned out before the se like after season two had ended. Uh, we have a plan and a full outline now to the end of season four for, you know, mm -hmm. our last 25 episodes, which was a very good thing to have. Um, yeah. But this was not as planned as some other long running series, you know, are or, you know, some people would say they should be. But, um, you know, we have we, we do have outlines now at the start of each season, you know, before we begin the writing process um, and we know generally which direction the ship is going, which, you know, helps us set things up um, and set up those long running plot lines and kind of, you know, 
put those little hints in there that make it seem like we know what we're doing. <laughs> right. And one thing that we did do for season three that was new is we made a spreadsheet where we had each episode and then all of our main characters on the other axis and then plotted like, okay, if we know Anna has to be at this point at the end of the season, how are we going to build to that um, through other episodes that she's going to be in? And we did that for all of the characters and that really, really helped us stay on track. So that was, uh, we will definitely be doing that for the final season as oh, well. Absolutely. That's very necessary yeah. now. Um, and then wasn't there like a contingency plan that you had for like, if you needed to end the show at the end of season one, because it wasn't going anywhere or you lost steam or something. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've talked about this. I think during like the season one Q and A is like, yeah. if I, if I was done with the show at the end of episode 25, as it was seen, then it was just going to be basically the answer to the mystery would change and it would just be, yeah, the echo killed Anna and, you know, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> took her place. And that's 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 the whole of the Sheridan tapes, everyone. Um, I'm very glad I didn't go that route. Um, yeah, me too. And they're definitely. Yeah. And it definitely yeah. wouldn't have fit all the clues. Um, I, you know, I, if I, I had basically a point where like if I knew that was the direction we were going to go, I had to shift my plan slightly in terms of how I was going to write this. But thankfully, no, it did not did not end up going that way. But that was the the abbreviated version of the show. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that would have been decidedly less fun. I'm sure it still would have been like cool and a complete story, but I'm really glad it didn't end there uh, for yeah, many, yeah. many reasons. <laughs> um, so next question is from Aries. She, they have any of the actors or fan reception of the story and characters drastically changed the direction of the story. And I'm laughing because the next two questions are about Ned, because that's primarily a big <laughs> thing that happened. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, DeWitt and then Ned have yeah. very much shifted and changed from my original conception of that character. Um, because DeWitt in season one for, you know, when I wrote episode 10, I'm like, well, they're dead now. So, um, Goodbye. Nice, nice seeing you. Um, you were you were kind of creepy. Um, um, but then I think I don't even think it was necessarily audience reaction at that point. I think it was just like, oh, there's more I could do with this character, and right. you know, it'd be we could learn some interesting things from him. So brought him back for episode uh, 19, I believe. Uh, and then people kind of <laughs> at that point people did kind of fall in love with the the immortal shape shifting tar man. Um, which I didn't expect because I kind of try like I thought I was writing him to be reprehensible, but now looking at it, I'm like, no, I was just writing a, a shape shifting trickster archetype, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. kind of my favorite type of character as well. Um, <laughs> and then when Ezra came in um, to play Ned uh, in season two, um, you know that very much changed our idea of what was going to happen to Ned, um, as as well as the whole basically conclusion of season two. Um, our our kind of original plan for that was that the kind of closing revelation of season two, it would be two prong. It would be both the, you know, the thing from Ren telling the searchers that the end is coming. Um, but then we would flash back to the bunker and basically the scene we had at the start of episode 51, except instead of just Morrison being vague and ominous, um, he would open a, you know, a rift in the, you know, tear open the veil at that point and push Ned through. And that would be the end of Ned. Um, which again, very glad that didn't happen, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, which would be also so <laughs> advancing Morrison's timeline by a lot. Cause that happened in episode 73 instead. Exactly. Yeah. And thankfully, yeah, Virginia and I both realized like, as we were planning this, no, that's too many plot points yeah. hitting at once. Um, 
And also, we don't want to kill Ned yet. <laughs> I think Alejandra as well. Like, Alejandra was so mm. good as the Beechwood monster. That was, they, they were only around for one episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we were like, well, surely there's a way <laughs> to bring Alejandra back. So I wrote Amanita. And then yep. now Amanita is just around. Um, All the time. And also, I just want to say uh, Maria Soul as well from, like, my very early mm. conception of that character was very different um, from... The way, you know, Ami ended up playing her and the way she developed through season one. Um, I think I can say this now um, and it'll be pretty clear this isn't something that's going to happen. It's not spoiling anything. But Maria was like in my original very, very early series Bible where I was trying to get some kind of outline for, you know, the 100 episodes. Maria was going to be one of the big bads of the series. <gasps> what? <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> Which is, it's it's not anything to do with, like, the Crochet. character I was thinking of as Maria Sol at that point, it only shares a name with the Maria <laughs> Sol who was in the show. Um, oh my gosh, break this down for me. I'm so curious. Oh God, I'm trying to remember. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't all that thought out, obviously. Um, I think I was, I think I might have actually been thinking of maybe having Alejandra, you know, casting Alejandra as, um, mm. as Maria and having her play the villain, which would have been very interesting, but also mm. I love Alejandra as Amanita. That is just perfect. And you as <laughs> the version of Maria's soul that ended up existing, um, is, is much better, but yeah, um, it, it was something to do with, I believe like the, the, um, like the supernatural fires that, um, that Anna and then uh, Bill and then eventually Sam ran into were somehow linked with uh, Maria Soul, um, kind of as a supernatural power she possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some, you know, there was a, you know, there was still a romantic kind of element between uh, Maria and Anna, but it was, it had, you know, kind of been corrupted in some mm-hmm. way and would end up mm-hmm. being kind of like you were in some ways responsible for uh, her disappearance. But mm. would you say they had a fiery relationship in that iteration? I suppose I would have to. Uh, if you, yeah, just put a gun to my head. But um, <laughs> but yes, that was that was that was an incredibly early version of the story. Um, yeah, and the, the series as it is now bears little to no resemblance to that original kind of pattern, which I'm, I'm I really like. I like the version we've made now much more than that. Absolutely, version, let's just say. It was, <laughs> like all it was of a the lot characters, more, yeah. I like the versions we have now. Like they've just developed so deeply yes. at this point. Absolutely. And now a word from our sponsor, Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. And I'll tell you what, if you're in the middle of, say, wrapping up a 100-episode fiction podcast series and you do not have time to cook, you'd probably be looking for some no-prep, no-mess meals, and Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. It's perfect. They're also flexible for your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So if you're like us, you're working on something that you love, you're in a busy time of life, what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash Sheridan50 and use the code Sheridan50 to get 50% off. That's code Sheridan50 at factormeals.com slash Sheridan50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. 
But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. All right, question four. This is for Ezra from Dusty. Any pronouns? Were you aware that Ned would be so popular? No, um, absolutely <laughs> not. I think at that point, you know, as previously said, there may have been some idea that, you know, listeners had become kind of attached to the character and that they would be glad to see him come back. But I don't think any of us had any idea that Ned would become like a favorite um least of all me because um i didn't know anything about the sheridan tapes before i auditioned for the show um and i've talked about this on the patreon podcast before yeah yeah but um i didn't really know anything about it and i didn't listen to any of the early episodes before my character showed up um just kind of as a personal choice Mm. um i actually listened to them over the past couple of months and i really like them but nice (laughs) no i had absolutely no idea and um, I've been told that the way that I read for Ned in the audition was definitely not what was kind of expected mm. or thought about for the character, mm-hmm. which I, I think is pretty neat. I also read for Hyde. I mm-hmm. actually That's recently right. found like all of my old auditions and I was like, oh. I can't listen to these. <laughs> 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 I did. I read for Hyde and I actually recorded. I think it was. You were casting for either, I think, Rob or Peter Slate. Uh, Peter Slate, yeah, we, yeah, we already I, I recorded right. for yeah. Peter and I didn't submit it, <laughs> but I do have it. <laughs> wow, wow, just alternate universe that <laughs> wild, yeah, uh, crazy, but but yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you changed you changed our entire conception of kind of the way we were thinking that would be, although we didn't have the strongest kind of idea like going into it. Um, and and you very much, yeah, brought your own sensibilities to it and yeah which is truly the spirit of DeWitt slash Ned when you really think about it it's just a surprising mm. character like a, a, a the cockroach made a tar that just keeps surviving um <laughs> yeah <laughs> wonderfully um so this next question <laughs> is from Shirley she her does Ned get to become a real person and I love how that's phrased uh <laughs> that's certainly what we're what we're building isn't it 
so far, that mm. seems to be what we're building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the question of whether or not that's even possible, you know, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> Ned has definitely grown a lot this season. Um, I think I think he was starting to feel like a real person there for for a while, and then Morrison happened. Um, <laughs> right. A little step back. And things are about to get a bit more complicated, unfortunately. But but yeah, we we are that that's certainly something we're thinking about and talking about all the time when we write Ned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All right, next question. This is for everybody, um, all present. Plus, we're going to hear from Chris Allison. Uh, this is from Aries. She, they. Thank you, Aries. What was your favorite character moment as an actor this season? Who wants to go first? I love this question. I will go first. <laughs> Sorry, that was dramatic. Um, so this was this was in an episode that I wrote, episode sixty nine. I love the scene with Kate and Peter alternating with Bill and Rob, and I think mm. like just Kate finally reaching a point where she's finally able to ask Peter for what she needs and kind of risk like it, and in that way, sort of shifts their relationship to where she can stand on her own two feet and offer him some reassurance and comfort because he's been very stable this whole time. Um, that was my favorite character moment for sure. Um, as far as Anna goes, I'd have to say that this season in general, I found to be really fulfilling because mm. there was a lot more range for Anna. I think this season a lot more depth um, emotionally. And that was a lot of fun to play. I really liked the scene. It was a short scene. Um, and it was in, I think it was in my last episode of this season in the parking lot um, oh, yeah. where she happens upon a stranger. Mm-hmm. And basically talking about like Oslo and Oslo's fate and yes um, mm-hmm. yes and um I loved just when she asked the question um does it does it have to though does it have to be that way yeah um it's in in terms of the fate and um I I don't know why that season in particular, or that's not that season. I'm sorry. That scene in particular stands out to me, mm. but I, I, it's one of my favorite scenes that I recorded this season. Um, um, yes. Yeah. But, but like, in Anna general, being a little bit hopeful, I think, which is unusual yeah. for her. Yeah. <laughs> or trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's trying to be, or she's searching mm-hmm. for some optimism. Yeah, just searching, just searching in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that final scene as well. And especially now just thinking about how well it ties into where Anna starts the season in 51 with mm. believing rightly or wrongly that she has led a friend of hers to his death um, mm-hmm. because of patterns that are like locked in and stuck like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, and this, what the strange woman is talking about seems very similar like patterns that are like stuck and ingrained and can't really be escaped and you're like looking for a way to break out of that and find a better outcome um yeah i I just love the way those scenes fit together yeah yeah exactly 
I know I'm just, I described the scene terribly um, and gave you literally no context, but if you're listening, if people are listening to this, they, they, should, <laughs> right. they should have a context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just, I really enjoyed recording that scene. I really enjoyed working with that actress. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole experience was really lovely. And like I said, the, the season in general has been a lot of fun and working with all of the new actors. I so love all the other actors. All the like <laughs> you, you worked with us. <laughs> but I know you guys. Yeah. No, it was fun working with the new people. Mm-hmm. I think for Maria, um, I have to say, hands down, my favorite episode was Choro Se Pasa. Mm. Um, it was really incredible just even reading the first draft of that that Virginia sent to me um you know I think I think I've mentioned before obviously you know my family history of not really having much connection to my family roots in Mexico and there are a lot of parallels in the script to things that I felt or seen or experienced or heard Mm -hmm. about my family's migration to the states and it was it's not really something that I've had a lot of opportunity to talk about with a lot of people. And of course, there's the unspoken, you're talking about your family history kind of family pressure. And mm. so in a way, this this felt like getting to express some things that I had felt and had never been able to verbalize, you know, never really put into those words myself. But it it, it was amazing, you know, I Honestly, I think I cried the first time I read the episode, and then I excitedly read bits to my friends who were very indulgent to me, um, or of me, and I just, that was really, really fun to embody and to read, and something that's really stuck with me was something that Virginia said, actually, to me during recording, where I was I was struggling a little with the pronunciation of some of the names and, you know, maintaining kind of a steady flow. And she said, these are your words. Don't be afraid of them. These words belong to you, even if you didn't grow up with them. They're part of you. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. That was really special. Oh, you make me tear up. I totally forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I sure didn't forget. (laughs) That's uh, actually helped me practice my Spanish more outside of the podcast, too, because, you know, I'm <laughs> actively working on that. And I I don't have to feel embarrassed when I mispronounce a word because they are my words. You know, that's that's something really special to me now. Excellent. I'm so glad to hear that. And it's nice to see Maria taking time to, like, actually become okay. Mm. Because that's she's setting a good example for me. That's good. That's nice. <laughs> right. A good example for all of us. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I need that lesson right now. Yeah. Um, me too. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I wanted to make sure that Ami got to say everything she wanted to say because that is really great answer. And I love that episode so much. I know. I know my thing's not about that, but that's one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. It's so so good, and you guys should be very very proud of it. Um. As for me with Ned, I think um, I had so much fun working with Sophie as Detective Ramos Mm. this season. And easily my favorite Ned moment of the whole season is um, 
they were looking through files together in the office and it was a moment where Neb was doing something nice for somebody he really didn't have anything to gain from. Mm. And she was just offering him friendship and not expecting anything from him. And I think he was kind of caught off guard by how nice it is to connect with somebody and not think about what can you get out of them? What can they gain from being around you? And, you know, I think he, well, I mean, I know because he says that he struggles a lot with trying to get close to people, knowing that they may reject him when they find out who he really is. And I think as he's trying to figure out who he really is and focus less on like the reality of what his existence is. Mm. Mm. Um, I think uh, it was it was it was very nice and it was kind of cute. And I think it was just nice to see like a good thing happening to my boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, I love Sophie. I would work with Sophie on anything. And I hope that we get to have at least like one more uh, scene together. I don't know what yeah. the plan is, um, but it was just very nice. I like to have a nice moment. Um, I think, um, you know, in the previous season, I got a lot of like action moments, which was a lot of right. fun. Yeah. It was a change of pace. This is Ned's yeah. thinking yeah, exactly. season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, if that's what happens when you, your character doesn't have to be part of all the chaos happening in the main plot. Mm. Just can be having a nice little B story off in, uh, off in Oslo. <laughs> I'm in a different I'm in a different podcast. I'm like a slice of life show over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just some mild, uh, uh, very frightening shenanigans at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Up, yeah. Up until episode 73. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say. Probably my favorite character moments for Sam. Um, I really enjoyed. I, everyone's giving very <laughs> nice, sweet, lovely character <laughs> like change moment answers. And for me, honestly, the most fun thing was probably um, just being able to go kind of full Eldritch uh, in episode seventy-five yes. with all of those kind of like invocations against, um, mo- well, all against um, uh, the Ouroboros because um, mm-hmm. that was just. A lot of fun to it's always fun playing um you know kind of a, a little bit of a darker angrier side of you know sam every once in a while um because he's normally quite quite timid and quite quiet you know um in most situations it's nice seeing him get a little bit riled up uh and fight um so that was a lot of fun um and then also um the conversation between uh sam and kate uh in the episode after um I think it's in, episode in the hospital? 68. Yeah. 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 I was yeah, about to say wing. that one also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just because it, it was a scene that really surprised me when we were recording it, just how genuine and true to kind of Sam's character it felt and how much kind of mm. growth there was in this quiet moment that didn't draw a lot of attention to itself. Um, it was just a very, a very nice scene to, just kind of exist in and kind of finally finally have Sam get called out a little bit for um right. his his choices um and the effect they have on other people and just Sam kind of slowly realizing, oh yeah, I am it's not just me anymore. I'm a part of something, a group, a family, a group of you know, friends, whatever it the the searchers are, um, however you read that, it's just yeah, it's just it was really nice to finally see Sam get a little bit of growth in there in a way that wasn't this huge his life being torn down kind of meltdown scene. It was just kind of this nice quiet moment with Kate that was really, really sweet. So mm. 
Yeah. My favorite character moment from this season uh, it's 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 got to be Caldwell's uh, speech from the like top of episode sixty nine, which was not very nice. Um, you know her kind of here's where I'm coming from. Step the f- up moment to Ren uh, because yeah she is someone who keeps most things very close to the chest and. Ren is someone who she trusts a lot, so for her to be that harsh with them couldn't have been easy. Like, clearly it was not fun for Ren, it was not easy for them to have to hear and then follow up on, but also for Caldwell, like, this is a lot of information that she is divulging, and it's also, I'm having to be mean to someone who... I like and I trust, but is letting me and, you know, in her eyes, the whole of the human race and their future down. Yeah, just there was a lot of there was a lot of rage in that in that scene. And um, it was very fun to to channel. All right. The next question is from Dusty. This is for Van Winkle. Is Rob also an Exmo or ex-Mormon? He gives off those vibes. That's definitely my uh, headcanon for yeah his religious background. Um, you know, he doesn't bring it as up as much as um, as Bill does, but I imagine his family was also uh, a part of the Mormon Church, um, and he broke away from that. Um, I would imagine probably a little bit earlier than Bill did, just based mm. on their personalities. Um, yeah, that's that feels right. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would say that that's the way I, uh, I, I write, uh, I write Rob in in the yeah. show. That makes sense. Um, all right, we're gonna uh, pick up the energy just a little bit. A series of rapid fire questions here. So uh, this first one, we're gonna have it answered. This is from Aries. Uh, Ezra, myself, and Van Winkle. What has been Ned's favorite persona in his 10,000 slutty, slutty years of swindling? This doesn't have to be canon. You can say whatever you want. I think personally when Ned inspired uh, a famous perfume line in Paris as the girlfriend in Paris. That's my answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to remember the name now, but there is um, there is a famous con man. Um, the, the timeline doesn't exact, so this isn't canon at all, but the, the, the con man who sold the Eiffel Tower uh, twice. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> Victor Lustig, I think. Uh, um was was his name but yeah eventually in in real life yeah um yeah just a con man who yes did to you know back when the the eiffel tower was like um we're probably gonna tear that down once we're done with it uh he sold it for scrap once left town nobody you know told the police because they were too embarrassed that they had you know bought the eiffel tower um uh and then he came back to paris tried to do the same thing that time he got caught and uh left and then began um doing um scams on the transatlantic um like boat uh (laughs) whatever you want to call that um (laughs) just a whole bunch of ridiculous schemes but that seems like it would be very much up um ned's alley in that time period beautiful ezra what do you think i think ned was gregory rasputin <laughs> it does. It does fit. Russia's famous love machine. That's absolutely not canon. I didn't write this, but that's how I none feel. None of these. None of these answers are entirely canon, <laughs> or they are all canon. Um, Ami and Aaron, if you want to propose something that Ned did in his slutty, slutty years of swindling, uh, this is a good time to shout anything out. <laughs> oh my gosh! 
I definitely do. Um, shoot, shoot. I know. I'm on the spot now. Uh, oh, no. I think... All right. I have no names for this and zero context, but there was a man who pulled off a heist and jumped out of an airplane, and he's never been caught. Oh, D.B. Cooper. Yeah. Yes, there we go. Yeah. This is why I have friends who know things. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with D.B. Cooper. That's pretty good. Was Ned part of the crew of men who dug the trenches in downtown London and Ooh. caused a traffic jam? I don't know if it was like Piccadilly Square or wherever it was, but it was a bunch of pranksters <laughs> dug these long trenches through the muddy roads of London in the early 1900s and caused <laughs> the, ta- the city to come to like a standstill. And that so probably led that. Probably, yeah. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, he probably led it. <laughs> it. It was it was a boring Tuesday. Uh, you know. Yeah, or it supplied Tuesday, the shovels yeah. at least. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. The final season of The Sheridan Tapes is crowdfunding now at seedandspark.com slash fund slash Sheridan Tapes 4. Help us finish the story of Anna Sheridan and find answers to the mystery and get exclusive rewards and perks for backing the campaign before it closes on December 11th, 2022. That's seedandspark.com slash fund slash Sheridan Tapes, the number four. Or follow the crowdfunding link at theshardentapes.com. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.